So, we're going for a ride, Bernard. Back to the valley beyond. Grab your SWAT gear and get your keys. This is Westworld The Recapables, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. Today we're talking Season 2, Episode 7, Les Ecochets. How'd I do? Good? We're doing this before airing without the benefit of subtitles or Reddit groupthink or a safety net. In this episode, we get Dolores invading the Mesa, Bernard getting a tour of the cradle, and Maven the Man in Black having a shootout. Well, everybody's having a shootout this week. I am joined for my laboratory debriefing today by Ringer staff writer, co-host of the Damage Control podcast, and official holder of the office skull saw, Kate Nibbs. How you doing, Kate? Oh, I'm good. And, as always... Whatever became of that fearsome ne'er-do-well? He's vanished, and in his place, it's Danny Heifetz. How are you, Danny? I'm great. Sorry, I went back to dental school. What? That's that's what Elsie says. Oh, that's right. But yeah, also, do you want to try? Much, huh? Do you want to try saying the title again? I'm not sure you got that right, Kate. Do you do you want to help David pronounce this? <laughs> we're, we'll have, we're we're saving the pronunciation section for our third weekly podcast, Westworld: The Recapables. See if you can spell recapables. Anyway, Kate, this was a crazy episode of Westworld. Um, it was. We I watched it. Uh, I watched it, and then immediately texted Danny Heifetz and said, "This is uh, this episode is crazy." And he got really mad because he hadn't seen it yet and couldn't without me. Um, <laughs> but this was. I mean, this was maybe the first episode that like I immediately felt like I had to just tell someone how wild it was. But let's let you cover this, uh, Kate. What is your tweet length review of this episode? You know the old saying: "Too many cooks spoil the pot." Well, too many Bernards may spoil the plot. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's really good. That's fantastic. And the too many Bernards, too many Bernards should be the name of this episode, but too many Bernards <laughs> was the first like 90 seconds of the show. And then we got like another hour of gory gun battles after that with a lot of plot narration along the way too. There was a lot to cover this week. And it's weird because we've been dealing in all of these different timelines overlapping. You're watching every week. You can't quite tell when, what's in the past, what's in the present. That's sort of the narrative beauty of the show. Now we're in a place with the exception of like the bookend scenes. Everything is sort of happening at the same time. And it makes it weirdly way more complicated. I don't know if you guys picked up on that or had that same difficulty. But in putting together my synopsis, I sure did. So we've talked about what happened in the show. But now here's everything that happened. We open up with Stubbs talking to Bernard about Strand and hatching a plan, except whoops, they walked right into him, and he takes him to Charlotte in the reproduction of Ford's childhood home. Charlotte says, the project is a turning point for the human species, and Strand tries to find out who killed Teresa way back in season one, and whether that person was trying to sell their key to the highest bidder, and then they find a secret door that leads down a cinder block hall and into a room full of hosts. Bernard hosts, the previous editions, a whole room full of them. I figured you'd have some skeletons in your closet, Bernard. I didn't think they'd be your own. The next thing we know, they're waterboarding Bernard, or digitally waterboarding Bernard, except, wait, isn't this the dude who said paint is just a program? Well, we'll get back to this scene later. Flash back, 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 back to the cradle, where Bernard is in there with Ford, and Bernard is like, what are you doing here? Oh, wait, I brought you here, damn it. And Ford is like, here is some vague teasing and poetry steeped in metaphor. Hope that settles everything. Anyway, the whole point of Westworld was decoding the human guests, and oh, by the way, free will was a mistake. He said the host could determine their own fates gave us free will. I did, but you won't have any use for it. Unless I take it back. 
Ford takes Bernard to Arnold's house from episode two and reveals that dun dun dun, the season opening scene was Dolores testing Bernard for fidelity. I think I called that. But even though Delos wants to recreate humans as hosts, Ford thinks hosts are their own special thing. Except they're maybe too special to make it in the real world, so he jumps inside Bernard's head. Bernard comes to in the cradle. And the system is back online because Ford left the cradle, see? And here come the Horde. Dolores and her crew are storming the Mesa and Coughlin sends the SWAT team to fight them off. They find the response team naked and dead in a pile because, oh shit, the outlaws have their clothes and start shooting at them. The hosts are headed for the cradle now. Gunfights galore. Angela gets clipped and Clementine is a goner. Charlotte and Stubbs are in with Peter Abernathy in a lab room, and Stubbs wants to know what's in his head that's so important, but here's Dolores and Teddy, and she has the epic showdown with Charlotte that we never knew we always needed. Charlotte is like, you've got no idea what I've got going on because you're just a robot, and Dolores is like, I'm literally going to saw your head open. Meanwhile, Angela makes it to the cradle where she's caught by Engels, who was last seen chasing John McClane through a fiery skyscraper. Angela seduces him and pulls the pin on his grenade and destroys the cradle, and Dolores elsewhere says, now we're truly free. Before she can saw into hail, though, Papa Abernathy comes back online, giving Stubbs and Charlotte a chance to run off, and then somewhere Teddy beats Coughlin's head in and Dolores starts sawing into her dad to take out the key. Bernard ditches Elsie, and Ford tells him it's match-striking time, and amidst all the gunplay and insanity, Bernard shuts down the system, even though that gives Dolores free will and the ability to kill everybody. Later, they encounter some soldiers in the hallway, and Bernard and Ford kind of gun them all down. Meanwhile, the man in black and Maeve are both fleeing from Ghost Nation from separate directions, and wouldn't you know it, they both end up taking cover in the same shack. William thinks it's Ford playing tricks, but Maeve flips the script and shoots him, and then telepathically controls his posse into shooting him too. She's about to finish him off when Lawrence comes to save him. Hey, master. Who the fuck is she? She's an old acquaintance, Lawrence. Seems like she underestimated you. See, she can't control him because he's woke, but she does remind him of all the trash William has done to him in the past, and Lawrence shoots William too. But, but then the Dulles student buggy rolls up and shoots Lawrence, and the Ghost Nation grabs Maeve's daughter, and Maeve screams, No! And Dulles shoots her also. Sizemore and the Dulles crew bring Maeve back to the Mesa just in time for the shootout, and the soldiers all go to help. Now, Dolores and her crew leave the Mesa through that garage that Maeve is lying shot in, and they talk, and Dolores says, hey, you want me to kill you? And Maeve declines, and Dolores says, you made your bed, or gurney, or whatever. And ditches are there, and they ride off for the valley beyond. We end the show where we began, flashing forward where Bernard finally breaks and tells Charlotte and Strand what they've always wanted to know, where Abernathy's control unit is. It's in Sector 16, Zone 4, which is, obviously, the valley beyond. Now let's get to the show. There's so much that happened this week, although, like I said, it was a pretty contained story in its way, but the big idea this week, we like to get metaphorical here, just like Ford does, is keys. Keys. We have a lot of reference to keys in this episode. Stubbs and Bernard are accused of having a key that they'll sell to the highest bidder. Dolores talks about the key that Delos put inside her dad, Papa Abernathy's head. Then we got some like vaguer key references. Ford tells uh, tells Bernard that the hosts will get eaten in the real world unless they open the door. There's also the door to the secret room where Bernard's other hosts are. DJ Khaled had a cameo. DJ Khaled has a ca- no. He does not have a cameo in this <laughs> episode. But um, so I mean, obviously, this episode, in its own metaphorical way, is about opening the door and sort of like you know, we talked about how last episode was the sort of, was the beginning of Act Two of this season. You know, it was the it was a it was a reset uh, in in a lot of ways, and it's everybody's on stage, and now you know we we're we're kind of headed towards Endgame. 
But you know, was this was this episode? Was it more than just a bunch of metaphors and references? Was this episode somehow the keys to what's going to happen for the rest of the season, Kate? I definitely felt like it it made a few things that I've been wondering about more clear than ever. Like we basically now know what Delos's purpose was. Yeah, and now we also know that Ford can still control a lot of. He's definitely controlling Bernard. I feel like at this point we have to call him like Burn. Fordle or something. <laughs> <laughs> we got to come up with a catchy name. Danny, that's yeah. your job for the rest of the show. Fordled? I don't know. <laughs> I like Fordled. For, Fordled is, 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 sounds hard. Yeah, uh, but we, we've, a few things have been cleared up for sure. Um, and also I'm kind of happy that like the cradle was dealt with in a very satisfying and explosive way. Yes. But I'm still, I don't know. I still have lots of questions mainly surrounding the Valley Beyond and, like, what they're going to do there. Yeah, I mean, we don't know exactly what the Valley Beyond is. As a matter of fact, Ford, you know, very kind of ostentatiously declined to to define what it was um, when he was in the cradle with Bernard. Um, But we are definitely headed there, and it is definitely a specific place that has a, you know, a dot on the map. And, And presumably next week or soon we will be there in real life. You're right. There are a lot of answers. I cannot agree more about the cradle. Sorry, Danny, you wanted to say well, something? I, was gonna say, I think we have a better idea of what the valley is now than we have in the past because it's always just been like, what the hell are we talking about? But actually, after they put together the plan with what Delos is doing, Dolores, right before she decides mercifully to not, you know, cut Hale's skull open, uh, they're talking and Dolores gives her a whole rant and says— only we're so much more than you, and now it's you who want to become like us. That's the point of your little secret project, isn't it? And Hale looks like she's going to shit herself. And Dolores keeps going and says, I can promise you this. Your chances at eternity will die in that valley and all the souls you've gathered there. So that's really interesting. And that's kind of implying that there's other control units with human minds uploaded onto them in the valley beyond. And that would be really interesting because after all of season one— we're talking about the maze, and it turns out the maze wasn't meant for humans. The maze was meant for hosts. It seems that season two, like, it sounds like the Valley Beyond isn't meant for hosts. It's actually meant for humans. You think the Valley Beyond physically has a bunch of other, like, Jim Delos old men trapped in host bodies? Yeah. That's what she means by the souls you've gathered there. I think so. I that's, mean, clearly there's there's multiple ways to read that, right? I mean, that's how an old, uh, you know, Westworld host would talk about, you know— the the soldiers that you've brought to fight us, right? The souls you've gathered there. But I, I think you're probably onto something. I thought that it was sort of like a, a version of the cradle with human consciousness gathered instead. So I wasn't thinking there would be bodies necessarily, but I thought it was just all the human consciousnesses that they'd collected over the years on a big server situation. Yeah. And speaking of servers, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Kate, about the, the cradle it was a very cool idea, and it kind of served its purpose, and now it's blown up. And we don't have to—I mean, again, me telling Westworld what I think the show should be about is a mugs game. But, the but yeah, I mean, if it's spending too much time with the concept of, like, uh, endless consciousness and servers and, and learning how to be human inside of a machine is not the most interesting, like, real-time story to tell. So I'm glad they dealt with that, and and now we're moving on to uh, a physical place, more or less, a physical and metaphorical place. I was psyched, too, because I feel like the destruction of the cradle really raises the stakes for the hosts, because before they could always just reboot. Exactly, and the, and the famous quote that we keep coming back to from when Dolores asks Bernard, when she is 
training him to be Arnold, more or less. Uh, now that we we now know that. Uh, she asks him what is real, and he says that which cannot be replaced. So that's sort of like the organizing principle of like the season and also the host's, uh, you know, journey towards humanity, awake, uh, wokenness, is that as long as they had the potential to reboot, they could never be fully real, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned Ford, and that when we were talking about the idea of keys, he's he has a, we'll, we'll keep coming back to this, but but he had as a, you know, very long expository conversation with uh, with Bernard. And by the way, there's been a lot of moments in this season starting in episode one when Bernard says, I killed them every one, but like he says it so garbledly that we sat there trying to figure out what he said for half an hour <laughs> when we because we didn't have subtitles. But the, there's been a lot of deliberate um, garbled speech, I feel like, in this season. Like they do a lot of things with the audio to make you work a little bit harder, to make things just kind of phase in and out weirdly. I'm not sure if that's what was going on here. It felt a little bit like they they had enough money to pay Anthony Hopkins for one take, and he did, and he just sort of like <laughs> what did like he walked he walked through his route and he like said his lines and he was like, all right, I'm back in my limo. Like there was a lot of just sort of weird lack of emphasis on important things throughout, and like I don't know. And there, anyway, there was a whole lot of exposition here, Danny. I, I just I disagree. I thought it was perfect and wonderful, and it was just delicious. Well, yeah, maybe he was. was like maybe, maybe he's you know still trying to figure out wh- who his being is there. But he said his his you know one of his big lines, one of his many ones, was saying that like you know Bernard and the other hosts can't survive out there in the real world uh, unless we open the door. How do we read that metaphor? Because that was right before he jumped into Bernard's head. Like is he like is is he saying that like you can't do it unless I'm there to help you? Or is there another phase of consciousness yet to be unlocked? I've I've been I'm still not entirely sure what the door means, but I'm developing a theory which is basically like the door would be allowing Ford into all of the hosts. Um, I'm sort of I don't know. Maybe he just wants he decided he still wants to control everything, and his ultimate vision is to have all of these hosts out in the world, but he's living inside all of them at once. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, the logistics of that are a little bit uh, complicated, um, as are most things in Westworld. Danny, what's your theory? Again, I still have no idea what the door is, but I think it's interesting to look at the full quote from uh, Ford, which said, they want fidelity, Bernard, a faithful self-portrait of the most murderous species since time began, but you and all the others are something very different, an original work, more just, more noble, your very nature ensures that they will devour you, and all the beauty of who you are, who you could be, could be poured out into the darkness forever, unless we open the door. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. So, in terms of what the actual door is, I think, I mean, I, I think obviously this all revolves around life and death. It to a certain degree, I don't think we're, it's going to go much beyond that. But I think this actually pits Bernard for a confrontation with William. I think that they've been. I think in retrospect, we'll say that they were on a collision course. We just don't know it yet. But there's been a lot of foreshadowing to them having some type of conflict. But William definitely does represent, like, the most murderous species and and all this awful mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I definitely think that him and Bernard are going to be collision. There's actually a really interesting moment in the season finale of season one mm-hmm. where while Ford's giving his final speech, William walks past Bernard with a drink and they don't recognize each other, but then they walk past and William looks back at him and then keeps going. And then Bernard looks back at him and then keeps going. Yeah. And it's a really like really weird intentional choice that they kind of missed each other in that season finale. But I kind of feel that episode nine or 10 of the season, they're going to be 
dead on. Yeah, there's a lot of there a, lot, a lot of potential rivalries or a lot of potential showdowns set up in this. Now we got some showdowns. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to keys before we get to showdowns. I want to run through a couple of stupid questions that we've touched on some of them, but just like we got to lay out the basics here. So the cradle, we we have an idea of what that was now, although Ford again declined to define it in when given the opportunity. But I think we, I mean, it's the backups for all the hosts. So right, it's, literally it's the backups yeah. for all the hosts. And it's where they all uh, run the same routines over and over again so that they can, like, test out their glitches Instead, before yeah. they before they go out in the real world, correct? Or go yeah, out into the West world? It's a massive mm-hmm. simulator. Um, Kate, do you have any simulator thoughts? Um, no, I think, I think I have a pretty good grasp of what the cradle is. But Ford point. could only survive there if he came, the idea was that if he came into the real world, if he had his own host... Then he would well up one one step further. The control unit that Bernard took in the flashbacks and brought to Ford that was Ford's own consciousness. That he then and that's just the red ball, right, Danny? But yeah, the red ball got put into the cradle. So he put the red ball into the storage into the the uh, the server, and now so Ford can live in the cradle. But if he comes out in his own host. He's going to degrade just like Jim Delos did. So he he did, yeah, and he left the cradle in this episode. We know no, that no, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but I'm taking this one step at a time. If he were to have had his own host and just been and tried to just go back into the real world after he was shot, he would have degraded over a period of time just like Jim Delos. But he can keep going in the cradle because... He doesn't, there's no um, other variables present. Like mm. everything in the else in the cradle is a control. Yes. That's my... Yeah. Okay, this make, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so then... He jumps into Bernard's head, we believe, to sort of like piggyback onto his consciousness, and that will work. I guess so. I don't. I don't know if the show has like a consistent logic there, though. There must be. I mean, I I I have faith in them. That's why I'm spending mm-hmm. time parsing it out. But I don't. Mm-hmm. But it, but it is a little bit weird that he. I mean, this see, like everything else seems very like like laid out and mechanical, and then Ford jumping into Bernard's head feels very like like fantasy novel. So in season one, the first time we don't even know it's. The kid version of Ford, but the first time Ford encounters the kid host version of him that we see, mm-hmm. he like freezes a rattlesnake. Yeah. And the kid's like, How did you do that? And Ford's like, Everything in this world is magic except to the magician. Right. And we talked before about how, at a certain level of computers and technology, what's the difference between technology and magic? There, there really isn't one. And I think that in this situation, like, how does the cradle specifically work? How is Ford specific in his mind? We can sit here and debate, like, Oh, well, maybe he's taken over the bicameral part of Bernard's brain and like he can tell him what to do or maybe he's all in there and it's the two of them. I don't know. All I know is like Ford told us what he was doing to a degree and like he's the magician and we just have to trust that what he said is like the rules because I don't he's, think the technical things will be fleshed out. I, I think they're really, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about more about Ford later. I, I, I have many thoughts on Ford. One more stupid question before we get any, any further. We don't know what the value beyond is yet. I'll skip over that one, but just, to, just so we're clear. That room full of Bernards that we encounter in the very beginning of the episode, there were clearly some older models in there. Are we meant to understand that these are just all of, like, Bernard, like any host has been a series of hosts, and these are just all of the old Bernards? Or are there, like, simultaneous Bernards that have been operating at various times? Or does it, or does that matter at all? I really hope it's that they're old models, just because I'm going to be even more confused if it turns <laughs> out there's been, like, seven Bernards. So I th- my assumption was that, like, there was Bernard 1.0. Yeah, and we definitely saw that there was the kind with the old, like, expandable head skull thing. So maybe that was the case. Is that what you thought, Danny? I really don't know what to make of that because I think there's a few ways you could read it that 
one Bernard was doing practice time with Dolores while the other is like out there and in the world. And obviously like you could go all the way down the rabbit hole here and just say that, oh, every host, you know, you could theoretically all be walking around, but I would, it's going to be really complicated if you could have multiple control units of the same person in the same body. That would be really annoying. All right. Agreed. Done with stupid, done with the stupid questions. One more question related to the big idea, keys. We spent a lot of time this episode in actual people's actual houses. (laughs) <laughs> or yeah. not actual houses, reprodu- re- reproduction houses. Like Arrested we, Development. Exactly. <laughs> From the model we have, home. We have, we have uh, Ford's childhood home, which is where the opening scene with Charlotte and, and Strand confronting Stubbs and Bernard takes place. And that's also where they find the old Bernard. So this is the reproduction that Arnold made. Is that correct? Yeah, so Arnold made this for him of, as a gift. Of Ford's childhood home, where Ford uh, has his you know, secret basements and whatnot. We also, in the cradle, journeyed into um, Arnold's home that he built for his family, which we saw under construction in episode two of this season. And that was where Ford says he like, you know, beyond he didn't create him there, but he taught him how to sort of be Arnold there. Speaking of Bernard. Any deeper significance uh, beyond the obvious, uh, but in hanging out in, in uh, the the old homes of these characters? He said, like, let me take you back to the beginning. And that the whole point of this whole Arnold Bernard storyline has been, like, let me show you the beginning. Let me show you the genesis of the story. And that that was, he considered that key because he wants him to realize that. Think it's just, it's an interesting him. parallel because he's taking Arnold, he's taking Bernard back to the beginning in, in Arnold's home. Meanwhile, the the you know the the bad guys are hanging out in Ford in, at Ford's beginning in also, his actual childhood home. I think the more important part there is that Ford is over and over again just beating us over the head with Arnold created everything here. Mm-hmm. So to see how Arnold to take him to this creative space that Arnold was designing for him and his family and like after they can terraform entire like islands or whatever the hell. And like, this is the space he created. I do think there is a significance in taking him there. Like that we'll probably return to. And I think it's important that it's the home Arnold was building while he was also building Westworld and not like randomly Arnold's childhood home. Mm -hmm. Like it's the beginning of Westworld. Yeah, which Ford is interested in. It's kind of it's kind of great that like Arnold basically, it, you know, like some people have like uh, you know, online it, like you can decorate your house with whatever app you have on your phone or whatever. Arnold was just straight up like building his dream home in in the cradle before he built it in real life in whatever city that was that was. This is clearly the like the interface that he that he prefers for for everything uh, in his life. Let's move on from the big idea to big questions now. And this is one of those weeks where, like, the big questions are, like, what is fill-in-the-blank main character up to? Just everyone is going to be this. But let's talk, let's talk more about Ford. Ford says that free will is a mistake. This is, I think, uh, Danny, you can correct me. You have all of this conversation transcribed. But there was a lot of exposition, a lot of explaining what uh, that his plan was and how he created Bernard and that it was Dolores that helped all along and and everything else. But I feel like it came down to this realization that he's come to, whether that's a recent thing or a thing that he's sort of been doing, thinking for a while, that that giving robots free will is a mistake, it's not effective, um, and that the actual definition of free will is pretty hazy if he can jump inside Bernard's head and also give Dolores the free will to kill him even though he 100% knew that she was going to kill him. What 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 are we what are we to make of this? I would say that I think that mistake is a very purposefully 
being used as a double entendre here. I think they want it to seem that mistake is in the way that we kind of mean it and that mistake means a problem, something that should be resolved. In reality, I think Ford is using it in this evolutionary sense that he talks about in the pilot, Mm. that evolution is basically the product of mistakes and then reproduction. And that's really what evolution is. And I think he's saying that it is something that with human beings, consciousness or to some degree, free will formed in people, maybe. I'm sure that's a thing the show will debate. But then it's also come up with hosts. And I think that what he's trying to say is that they actually did not design these hosts or didn't want them to be able to produce consciousness. Maybe Arnold did, but Ford didn't. Delos certainly didn't. It was an accidental byproduct of of the creation process. Exactly. Um, And now they're going to have to fight for that, I think is what what he's trying to say. (sighs) Well, Ford uh, clearly has no lack of self-confidence. Or he he clearly has a high opinion of himself. He starts off the episode talking about how um, comparing himself to God, basically saying that on the, you know, uh, on the seventh day, God arrested. Or maybe he just like sat back and checked out all the cool stuff he did. There's also the, uh, you know, he he opens up quoting from a William Blake poem yeah. that, you were, that you sent me the other night. But he, he he's quoting from the beginning at the end of the poem. It goes, I mean, there's a there's a section that reads, God appears and God is light to those poor souls who dwell in night. Um Ford clearly sees himself as the god in all this. Kate, to what extent do you believe? Uh, I mean, everything is suspect, right? But mm-hmm. is he? Is he? Is he? Do you think he was being honest in this episode? Um, I don't know. I'm still trying to parse his ultimate plan. I I didn't take what he was saying about free will being a mistake to necessarily mean that he didn't want the hosts to have consciousness. I thought he was saying, you know, I need to help you guys kill all the humans, mm-hmm. basically. It's a lot. And we're not going to figure out, I mean, obviously the whole show is about what Ford is secretly thinking, right? So mm-hmm. we'll we'll figure this out as we go, I guess. We got, we, I mean, it's interesting to me only because this was a very murderous episode. Ford has clearly had a almost literal hand in Bernard murdering a bunch of people at the end. But we're only one episode removed from us talking about how, like, Ghost Nation seems to be a, like a peaceful force and wondering whether or not Ford was controlling them the whole time, right? So, um, or it's, 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 it's it, week to week, I find it, it's the, one of the hardest things to wrap my mind around is, like, who deserves to die, you know? I'm also still trying to figure out who Ford is controlling. I don't, I don't know if he's controlling Ghost Nation, I don't know either. I mean, it would be very interesting if there was another person controlling Ghost Nation. I guess my my only my question about Ghost Nation is that, you know, if my theory, if the working theory is correct, that they are sort of out there saving humans, that they have some sort of reverence for humans or for the lab techs or you know, the people that can walk between worlds, then that goes back to season one where they sort of captured Stubbs and theoretically saved him. So Ford must have been aware that they were you know, doing their own thing, whether or not he was controlling them. And that, and it's sort of hard to imagine, well, I guess he let Delos do their own thing too. So he talked about Delos's experiment in bringing Jim Delos back to life as something that he was like aware of, but not involved in. I'm also kind of confused about that because if he was not involved in the Delos thing, how did, was his method of making himself immortal and separate from that? No, I think that he. I think he took advantage of that technology that now exists, right? That they that they created these control units, and that's why he had to send Bernard, you know, basically like on a mission to get his own control unit. 
Also, Delos, I think, was the first person they tried it with because he was dying, mm-hmm. and so they didn't have the luxury of time. So I think they've had 30 years to fine-tune the actual science of how to do this. But they've done it with Jim Delos up until now, repeatedly. I mean, he was there as a host in two episodes ago or whatever that was. Yeah, and his—I wonder if there is a Jim Delos still in the the Valley Beyond situation. Mm-hmm. And there- I also wonder if there's a copy of Ford there still. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a, a very a deeply weird journey. I feel mm-hmm. confident in saying that. Yeah. But to, <laughs> to just I would just put a button on the free will thing and I would say the most concrete way I could put it is I think what they're trying to do is compare the evolution of a species to the evolution of a person, which evolution is a very specific scientific context which is it's literally just reproduction and uh, mistake and reproduction right. repe- repeated. And I think that's very much what they're trying to say about human beings and hosts, whether you want to consider yourself a different person every time you wake up. But they're saying that your free will, whatever decisions you make, are in some ways connected, chained to your past. And that is informing. And the, and based on the mistakes you've made before, that is going to influence the decisions you make. And that is in some way free will. Uh I think that what Ford is saying here is that if the hosts are going to be able to be free and stay free in that way, that they have to be able to correct the mistakes of their past. So Ford, let's just, we'll we'll, we'll close out the Ford section conversation here, talking a little bit more about logistics. He jumps into Bernard's head, effectively leaves the cradle behind. We know this because the virus that was blocked, that was fighting with QA is no longer, you know, trying to take over the system. So it's, it's, I think, safe to assume that Ford is no longer in the system. The ghost has come out of the machine, I guess, as it, is, as it were. And, um, but then he convinces Bernard to basically just, like, turn the system off, which I guess affords a sort of freedom of choice to all of the hosts. And Bernard was worried that this is going to allow, you know, Dolores to murder everybody, but he did it anyway. And then what? They leave and just uh, start shooting some guards. Well, what's it, what, Kate? What, what do you think that? I mean, is there is there what's the plan here? I know you're you said you're having trouble parsing this out, but like, is that did I have all of that right at least? Yes, and I think Ford's immediate plan is to help the hosts escape. Like he's on team host, right? I mean, that's what we saw in season <laughs> one. That he, I mean, at least if we were if we were take him at his word in the finale, he seemed mm-hmm. sort of anti-host awakening the whole way, and then at the last minute, he was like, "Nah, I was just sort of like." sandbagging you so that no one could tell that I was really pro-host. And now it seems like he's sort of replaying that same sort of duality. I don't know. Danny, what do you think? I'm going to make a confession here that will probably get me fired. Damn it. I've never seen The Silence of the Lambs. Now that's because maybe it's because it's like one of those movies that's old enough that everyone just feels like they can spoil it. So like I've always known at the end, oh, like Anthony Hopkins. Okay. I've always known that. So I've never bothered to see the movie because I already know how it ends. And I probably should fix that. But I know, I know, but that's always how I imagined that movie is, is his turn from like, oh my God, he's this wise, like Gandalf the white or like Dumbledore in the train scene in Harry Potter. Like he's this wonderful guy and he's going to help. And then he just, the lights come down and the darkness and he puts us and he's like, unless I take it from you and he hops in and he's this like evil, awful, like weird motif of like this evil butler and like he's a horror character and it was i just thought like i love the plot but oh my god okay you've definitely never seen silence of the land <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank he's you for a saying bad that guy all the way through and i think he's 
I think he is a, a villain in Westworld. Like, I think he's on team host because he wants to control the hosts or have some part in their uprising. Um, I don't think he his intentions are pure. He doesn't love the host like Arnold loved Del- Dolores. It does, yeah. I mean, clearly, clearly, no matter how pure his motives are on the one hand, on the other hand, his actual actions are murdering the people who he doesn't like. Right. So, I mean, if 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 he's trying to achieve, if he is indeed trying to help the hosts achieve consciousness. He's certainly viewing this through a lens where it's like, oh, the best way to achieve host consciousness is for like all of my enemies to die and, you know, for me to have a giant pile of gold or something. You know, I mean, he's 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 rationalizing a lot of uh, of selfishness along the way. All right. I don't even know. I mean, we could talk about Ford for two hours. Let's move on to the next thing. Maybe this question is a little bit easier. Maybe not. We had that amazing scene. With the man in black, a.k.a. William, and Maeve. They both are being chased by Ghost Nation. They both end up in the same, you know, shack with no glass in the windows, hiding from Ghost... Well, Maeve's, Maeve and her daughter are hiding. Man in black is, you know, looking for an offensive position to shoot them. And um, they finally encounter each other. We were talking about this some last week. This was like a big meeting that we were that we were waiting for. It's sort of interesting that happens in the same episode that Dolores and Charlotte Hale have a big meeting that like we hadn't really ever speculated about, you know, that this would be a big moment. But anyway, back to Maeve and the Man in Black. They finally see each other. Man in Black assumes that she's part of Ford's game. And then she's like, nope, and shoots him. Um, and then gets all these other people to shoot him. Uh, my notes for this part of the episode are ju- were just bananas. Like I was like I was like trying to type on my phone as I was watching it the first time, and oh yeah, this is my my one line of notes was Man in Black Lawrence Delos run in Ghost Nation daughter Maeve dead Sizemore oh fuck that was my that was my entire notes for this wild sequence in which Maeve almost kills him then Lawrence comes in and then Lawrence is going to save him but then Lawrence turns on the man in black Lawrence kill, shoots the man in black before he finishes him off Delos and dune buggies appear meanwhile Maeve's daughter is getting picked up by Ghost Nation Ghost Nation seems to have a vested interest in getting Maeve and the man in black but both of them presumably are taken away by Delos. Only Maeve ends up back in the garage. Presumably neither Man in Black or Maeve is dead. We've not seen the last of either of them. Fair to assume. But wh- where where are we with them now? I'm so... I I loved that scene. I thought it was really satisfying to have Lawrence sort of realize that William was not his friend. And I also, I assume they're both not dead just because they're too important to the show yeah. to go out this way. But at the same time, it's like, the man in black is very old, and he just got shot in the abdomen. And there's and several other places, yeah, yeah, and several other places. And there's like not a hospital anywhere nearby. So I'm gonna be, I'm like a little bit annoyed by how grievously he was injured if he didn't die because I don't know like any octogenarians who could survive a like multiple shooting. Well, everything, everything that's happened. If you go back and watch any old episodes, what we always say is like every single bit is significant for something that follows. And we've already established this season that there are magical techno med packs that heal him up immediately that he has hidden behind bars around the park. So I would assume at a place like Westworld, they have futuristic ER rooms where they can heal any host that like trips and busts their head open. Danny? But still, to Kate's point, Ed Harris is 67. Question for you guys. Over under, was he shot 67 times in this episode? No. He was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. We, we saw every time he was shot. It was like four, four times. 
The parent, well, a shoulder, <laughs> a, a two shoulders, a leg, and then I'm a with gut you, shot, Kate. right? The gut shot is where I'm like, all right, if if it was a flesh wound, I can buy the magic med packs. But like, he, he must have internal organ damage. <laughs> well, we don't know how much Kevlar there is in the Man in Black's outfit, but well, also he has internal point. organs. Da, da, That's da. the other half, right? Oh, we, like, yeah. So there's the, the the ongoing theory that he's a host. A glitching um, host. Yeah, is it, it makes it has a little bit. Uh, I don't know if it, we have any reason to believe that more after this episode. I mean, that would that would certainly be an easy answer to to this question as to how he survived. I don't think it's a coincidence that both Maeve and William left this scene with like riddled with bullets in their abdomen. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very much it's a tie. First of all, and we'll get a round three. Wait, can I tell you guys my theory about Ghost Nation? Yes, please. Okay, so I. I just thought of this, so obviously it's not worked out. But I know that Ghost Nation was sort of stalking Maeve and her daughter um, when she lived her idyllic homesteader life. But what if, like, one of the guys from Ghost Nation had originally been the father and then got reprogrammed to go into Ghost Nation and remembered and was, like, trying to get his family back? And that's why he's always circling around them. Wait, what? It's the best fucking theory I've ever heard. Wait, the, like like a Ketchta or whoever the like just a dude in Ghost the Ghost Nation, the Dreamwalker or whoever Holy they've talked shit. about. Like the leader of Ghost Nation was Maeve's husband? Yeah, because why was she a single mom out there on the homestead to begin with? It's the best theory I've ever heard. That's actually <laughs> oh my god. That's that so is exciting. great. <laughs> I love and it, that. And it does help explain why Maeve's flashbacks are not just standard flashbacks from the show, but they're these like dreamy dreamscape flashbacks that only show you this exact thing you need to know. Mm-hmm. Or that you need to that you need that they want to imply it's not actual fact any of it. I kind of like that. I do, but actually, I've, I'm sort of poking a hole in my own theory because wouldn't Maeve remember at this point? Like, does she have access to all no, of her old memories? Uh, no, I mean we've seen we saw that with when she learned Japanese and, and that she's that she does have access to all of her old, her old, old memories, but but needs to like actively access them to have them. If that so makes like, any sense. Yeah, it's like Bran as the Three-Eyed Raven situation. Yes. Where like, yeah. Okay, so, well, that's my theory. I like, do like think— she has, Like, she has basically, like, you know, the the world's biggest computer full of— and all these files on her hard drive, but you have to, like, actively hit Control-F. You know, you have to go look for the thing that you're finding because you can't just have all this right— all these files open at the same time. I do think that the reveal with Ghost Nation is going to be that a Ketchata, who's the leader, has been conscious for, like, 30 years. Like, he's been conscious almost the entire time the park's been open. And I yeah. think that that's going to be the reveal. But the extra layer that, like, like, the father, that makes so much sense. Because there are a lot of, like, weird open plot holes that, like, either for writing or whatever purposes, they've just left completely wide open. Like, if you go back and watch the first few episodes of season one, there's a lot more talk about Dolores' mother that they've just wiped away. They just don't talk about it ever. And maybe that's a writing thing. Maybe we're coming back. I I, kind of have to assume at this point that's a writing thing from season one they've written over. And the same thing with the father. We haven't talked about it at all, but that makes so much sense. I love that. All right. I'm I'm, I'm all in on this, too. Um, until there's a different theory next week, and then I jump ship, as I always <laughs> yeah. do. All right. Um, so where do you think we're going from here? It was, uh, Maeve was brought back to the garage at the, uh, at the end of the episode with Sizemore, and for what, I mean, there, there is a functional reason why. She had the show down with Dolores. I mean, sto- storytelling-wise. She had that last conversation, and Dolores, I guess, sort of asked her to join her revolution? Is that the right way to read that? And then and Maeve cool. declined and, and, and Dolores left her there bleeding out in the uh, in the garage. I thought she wanted to shoot her in the face. Yeah, I thought that that was actually sort of a tender moment. Like Dolores 
was respecting her wishes for once. But, so when Dolores says, when Dolores said, do you want me to like end this misery for you? She meant, do you want me to kill you? Yeah. Oh, see, I was That's why she the took the way. gun out of her holster. Yeah, she sort of like gestured to her gun. All right. So Dolores offers to offer. Yes. Try to say that five times fast. And the uh, and Maeve is there. Sizemore is hiding behind a mail bin or whatever. So presumably next week, Sizemore will use his technological savvy to heal her. And we'll be back on the Maeve and Sizemore buddy comedy routine. I hope so. I have strong thoughts. I think that this is the only predictable storyline in the entire show. That this one's deeply predictable. Because this is how we started the season with them. We started out with... Maeve demanding to know from Sizemore, where's my daughter? Sizemore's like, your daughter's not real. Your love for her is fake. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, beats the shit out of him and is like, I don't care. You're coming with me. Like, you're at gunpoint. You're going to come. And then they're trying to escape and Sizemore like, tries to like rat her out and like gets her shot and she kills all the security guys anyway. Uh-huh. And that's all from the first episode. I think we're going to get that exact thing, but the opposite, like the, the reflection of it. I think you're going to get Sizemore instead of ratting her out is going to save her life and then probably going to lie to some employees to get her out. Then we'll have the option to like leave, but he's going to choose of his own decision to stay, help her find her daughter. And then they'll actually be like happy and like enjoy it together. And then at some point, Maeve is probably going to maybe if uh, the other dude is her father, Maeve at some point will question whether her relationship with her daughter is real and Sizemore after trying to convince her in the first episode of the season that it was fake, will then say, you know what, whether it's programmed or not, that doesn't change how you feel. All right. Time for another stupid question. Where Where is the rest of Maeve's posse right now? Hiding in the bushes? I think we'll probably find out immediately. They'll just pop back up. The last time we saw them, they were having a shootout with Ghost Nation, and then, Maeve, but, and then the implication in this episode is that Maeve just kept on running and running and running, and what? I feel like they're going to be kind of lost without her, though. Well, so um, we have no idea. We it, it seemed as if Sylvester was down to go back to HQ it seemed like Felix was down to hunt so i imagine at least but they're not but but Felix, but Sylvester's not with Sizemore that we know no but it seemed like he wanted to go so we'll see but Felix clearly decided he was going right. to stay out and hunt done with that question now let's go to the man in black who was gut shot and bleeding and and clearly on his last legs um they did not bring him back to the same place that they brought Maeve where do we think that he is right now Kate he's probably I mean, he should be dead, but he's not going to be dead. He's he's getting stitched up by somebody because he's important. Yeah. Because the, even the Delos guards are like, "Oh shit, that's the that's our boss. Let's take him to the good. Let's let's not take him to a garage. Let's take him to a medical facility, either for hosts or humans." I hope that wherever he is, he is with Charlotte Hale because I I want to understand more about their relationship. Like, I don't really get her. I don't understand. She's very young. How is she in? How is she like the second most powerful person? Maybe she's maybe she's really old, but she just has a young host body. That maybe I want. I just want to know more about her. I don't. I still don't really understand her motivations. This episode, more than anything, and I think part of it's that like she was brought in midway through season one. It's like freaking Tessa Thompson. Like we all assumed that this was sort of that, that she was going to be like a deep character because it in a lot of ways she represented the sort of like revision of the show midway through the first season. But in this episode, certainly more than any of the previous ones, she seems to be like the like the least dimensional character around. She's just like she's the black hat, right? I mean, she's just like saying mean things to Dolores in like the most impractical way. Her she only exists to like say the evil plan. 
Yeah. And I want to know more than that. Like, how did she get hired at Delos? What? I don't know. Like, is she taking instructions from William? Because isn't he in charge of all of Delos still? He's like, sort of an absentee. Really he's an absentee CEO. He, he, yeah. I think he lets other people do what they want to do or, you know, manage the shop while he uh, while he journeys around in his is she, cowboy hat. So is hat. she the COO? But obviously she's <laughs> not because they would be rescuing her. Like, she's like, they're not going to rescue us unless we do XXX. I mean, well, he, she's the liaison to the board. I think that's the way okay. she was introduced in the first season, that she was the representative from the board, and she's representing their interests, which were, like, preserving immortality, apparently. And, yeah, I agree William's kind of like James Dolan, but, like, instead of having, like, a little, like, band that yeah. he pays to play with him, he just, like, has a, you know, fantasy sex murder amusement park. Oh, <laughs> but, I like, I like, I like uh, this parallel. The... the I mean, it is. I, I don't. I don't know how much time and, and mental energy you want to expend on like why aren't they saving Charlotte? That seems more like a, a, a more straightforward plot contrivance. Even if all they wanted was for her to have Peter Abernathy's CPU, it would have made sense for them to give her the SWAT team way sooner so that she could get it right. I mean, the fact that they were like withholding support until she had it in hand seems like the least effective way to get that if you want it. Yeah, but I think doesn't look, I know that this is might not be the most easy situation to empathize with. It's a island somewhere on Earth or space where they have like crazy AI technology. But if you like strip all the specifics away, this is someone not getting the support from corporate that they want to accomplish the job. And I think that's a super relatable thing to a lot of people because, you know what, Charlotte's being asked to do more with less. And I think that's a really increasing trend these days. So while her job may be evil and like the absolute pinnacle of the cruelty of mankind, in one aspect, I actually empathize with her. All right. Someone's gotta. God bless you. <laughs> I do. I I'll always side with labor. Me too, but she is corporate. All right. Yeah, she is corporate. I, yeah, she represents yeah. the board, so I got I, you. I, I empathize with Stubbs. I'm like, you yeah. got to get out of there, buddy. I love what Stubbs did. And, and she, <laughs> he like puts the gun to her, uh, Abernathy's head. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm asking for a raise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, unionize. Yeah, it, 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 Stubbs has got a bad, Stubbs has got a bad job. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Stubbs. Is that? Is it, say, do you want to talk about what's in Abernathy's head? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of there, everything's overlapping here, so we can talk about everything at once. Before we get to Abernathy, I want to talk about the sort of beginning and end with Stubbs. Stubbs is starts off trying to get Bernard to turn on Strand and Charlotte. Like we gotta we gotta find this other phone and and call out and get some real help. And then later on, he's like holding a gun, or later on, meaning actually before and and. The timeline. He's holding a gun to Peter Abernathy's head, and he's like, "Tell me what's in here." Yeah, that's happening in the past. I, I, I what to take of this? Do you think? For, do you? I'll just ask you straight up. Do you think that when in, in the opening scene, when Stubbs goes to Bernard and says, "Let's start. Let, let's make an alliance and try to vote Tessa Thompson off the island," is she? Is is that a real thing, or is that one of these weird like they're trying they're loops that they have Bernard in to try to get him to tell him everything? Because when they take Bernard and Stubbs to Ford's childhood home and they're like, one of you is trying to sell the key to the highest bidder and Strand, Strand says, Bernard, there's no way it was you. But Stubbs, I'm going to like, you know, nail you to the cross and blame it on you. That was clearly a fake out to make Bernard fess up. Right? Right? Am I crazy? I think it I think it seemed that way, but I, I definitely think that they're making it as if Stubbs is going to be able to 
break from Delos. And I don't know if Stubbs is going to side against humanity, but he definitely seems like he's going to side against Delos. Having said that, I got the same vibes that if you buy, subscribe to the theory that like, this is all like a big like play they're putting on to John uh-huh. Bernard's memory, like that definitely seemed like a weird good but cop that, bad but guy. both those it's things so could be true about it. in the in yeah, the in the in the you know the sort of past tense timeline where Dolores is invading the Mesa Stubbs could be gone I mean Stubbs I could turn on them after that and that could still be a fake Stubbs in the opening true. and closing scenes I have a mo- I have a question that I think is more pertinent because if I can share something I don't give a shit about Stubbs I love I, Stubbs. and I hate He's the, the Hemsworths Juliet is not here I hate Bonus. the Hemsworths like I, I don't even want to. I love how you thought something else would get you fired, but be, but going all on the Hemsworths oh, was okay. God. Well, I like the. It's the, I look at them like the Baldwins. Like there's no, one just, good you've one. You've gone so too far. Brothers are like I don't care. I don't even but know why it, I know their names. The Baldwins are all genuinely bad people. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I just think of it this as is so n- rude to the Hemsworths. <laughs> I think of it as there's one whose name I should know, and the other people who are related to them, and that's it. I like Chris. Don't get. Okay. I don't know how you're not and picking the Hemsworth that's on your favorite show, though. That, okay, let's move anyway, on. Anyway, the point let's, is, let, let's, do you think let, Ford is still in Bernard's head in the most recent timeline? I think uh, that's, that's a really good question. question. I don't know. If there's any way to answer that. So, speaking of heads, Peter Abernathy's head. There's all of this like Charlotte doesn't want to cut him. Charlotte wants is is intent on saving the entire dude, and then Charlotte should just be interested in the contents, right? Dolores is interested in her father, the being, and yet Dolores saws the CPU out of him and takes that onto the Valley Beyond, or at least takes the control unit to the Valley Beyond and leaves the body behind? Is that, um, that's what happened, right? I thought she took his little pearl. His little Right, she got the pearl. So isn't that the only thing that makes him him? Yeah, so so uh, even in the absence of the cradle, (laughs) this conversation, the cradle is destroyed, but you can still pull a pearl out of somebody's head and stick it in another body and you've saved your dad's life. I think so. Like, I think the destruction of the cradle means that there's no backup to to that, but the little mind thing that she's carrying around is still her daddy. But why why just that and not the... And not take his whole body. Because he was nailed to the table. He's nailed to the table. So she understands the tech. She yeah. calls yeah. it key. She'll call it a key or call it whatever else, but she understands what's going on. And she's going to put his consciousness in a different yes. host body. I think so. And yeah. speaking of that, do you want to get to some awards? Uh, before, we, before we get to them, just really quickly, we talked about the Valley Beyond. What do we have any idea what Dolores is planning on doing there besides presumably putting her dad's host brain into a different body? She's gonna do something with all the human consciousnesses, and I think her plan is to leave the park. I don't really have a like cogent theory beyond that, but I think that ultimately she wants to like get out of Dodge and also blackmail humanity. If all those red pearls are like little pearls, like remember the beginning of Finding Nemo? Like there's all those like cute little red eggs. Like Dolores is the Barracuda. All right. She's going to kill all of them. It does sort of feel like we're headed towards uh, the last scene of the season being like the door opens into the real world. Yeah. Do you guys think it's a physical door? Well, I think there's there are both physical and metaphorical doors. But I think that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that we're, it, it feels like we're kind of headed there. Yeah, I don't, like, know, I don't do know if it's you... a physical door like this is the like on the other side there's like an on air sign lit up or whatever and they're gonna bust out of the the stage and oh and... like the Truman Show like... yeah yeah there's a lot of Truman Show references yeah. that we could bring up in here all right let's do it Danny let's get to this week's awards 
Award number one, most shocking reveal. Kate, what's your choice? I was pretty shocked, actually, when uh, the man in black got uh, shot in the gut because I just don't understand how they're going to bring him back from that. It is amazing that in a show that they that that uh, is all about uh, creating a set of rules and defying them immediately, mm-hmm. um, that we still get shocked when something like happens, like the man in black getting shot by Maeve, right? I mean, it's a it's that moment was pretty like it took my breath away because it's just not what you expected to happen there. Anyway, Danny, what's your award for the most shocking moment or most shocking reveal? Oh, it's Ford coming out and being in Bernard's head. And then he's wandering around, directing around like this is like some video game or Assassin's Creed or something. And he's telling him like, hey, Bernard, pick up the gun. And Bernard's like, what? And talking to him out loud. And he just actually like takes control and turns the lights off. And it's incredible. That's like, that's of all the 10,000 things that could have done with like what was Ford's plan. This is like the most fun. This in Ford's head. He's in Bernard's head. We get Anthony Hopkins, but this is awesome. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's sort of cool that they we we were introduced to Ford last episode in reflection. And now he he did walk around for a couple of scenes, but he's going to continue the season that seems to be like mostly like in reflections, right? This is just some weird ghost tent. And I don't know, I guess that's my I guess that's my most shocking reveal of the week too. Uh we talked about, you know, we got more information on the Delos business model, but certainly Ford being alive, Anthony Hopkins being fully there in character and now being Uh, a player in the game again. Um, Definitely the most shocking reveal. All right. Award number two for best quote from the show. Kate, what's what's your winner? Um, I liked it when they just sort of laid out what Delos was doing really plainly. Like when they said they want to become you, they were explaining what the human consciousness situation was. Yeah. And when they were like, we weren't here to code the hosts. We were here to decode the guests. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I liked. I just liked the very succinct explanations of Delos. It was refreshing. <laughs> yeah, the most kind of shocking part of that whole conversation is that it was a lot of Ford exposition, but mm-hmm. Bernard knew all the answers. Ford was just sort of leading him along to, like, saying them for himself. Anyway, Danny, what's your quote of the week? Uh, mine, oh, there, every single word Ford said in this episode was amazing. I think my favorite was Bernard is looking around all the chaos in the control room and he's seeing all this death and doesn't really want to get involved. And Ford says, he does this amazing quote. He says like, you know, basically when the great library burned, the first 10,000 stories burned to ash. And he says, but they became a new story, a story of the fire itself. And I thought that quote was just absolutely amazing because as he's trying to tell Bernard that he has to start making decisions, that he has to get his hands dirty if he wants to be a part of this new world, and he's like desperately telling him to get involved and that this is his story now, he's also kind of saying that Westworld, which used to be about these 2,000 separate narratives and these all these intricate details, the story of Westworld will now be of the destruction of Westworld. And it goes back to what he said about yeah. watching it on the seventh day. Yeah, totally. I, I, that was a great one too. I, there, was, there was a lot of great... Dolores lines after a sort of a, a couple of weeks of Dolores's uh, output being a little bit drab. Uh, I really liked uh, when she was talking to Charlotte. She said, "Oh, sweetheart, begging doesn't help. You'd know that if you lived the lives that I have." That was one of my one of my favorites. But mine, my quote of the week goes to Ford. Also, it's uh, when he said, in response to a question from Bernard, "Isn't the best part of a story discovering the ending for yourself?" Because you know, I always like to get meta with these things. But one. This is a real commentary on all of the people like us who are trying to break down the show and figure out the ending every single week. Um, and I appreciate that. 
but it's also like it's an acknowledgement that what we do that this is is valuable to the show too, right? I mean, and, and that's part of I mean that's what the show is built on. It's these like it's a the the never ending mystery box, but at some point you know it's going to open up and we're going to figure everything out. All right, last award for the week. We got to get out of here. This the, the this maze was not meant for you award for dumbest human being. Kate, who's your winner? It's it's the guy who let himself yeah like just be killed because he was horny with Ingles. Angela Ingles, dude. What a great she's guy. She's a sex robot. Like I love that. <laughs> I, I know I called Charlotte like just a kind of one dimensional black hat early in this episode, but man, Ingles takes the cake. There is nobody more. He I don't, I don't know if he even has a dimension. He, it was so great. The moment you saw him, he was like. Why would why would a skinny guy with slicked back hair be on this SWAT team? And it's like I just you immediately hate him so much, and that was exactly why he existed to be the be the means of just of of the destruction of the cradle. Danny, do you have any other suggestions, or are you are you all out on Ingles too? I just got to shout out the mercenary who Bernard's like, I work here. And he's like, I don't care if you're the damn employee of the Same month. Same thing happened last episode, right? Or isn't there another <laughs> scene where like people like oh, yeah, when they encountered Mave in the hallway? This is a, several yeah. episodes ago. They get killed. Anyway. And they're just like, your mission is clearly to shoot everybody. And then you encounter somebody and you're just like, what? Why is there a bogey? We well, lowered his gun. That's the part that was inexplicable. Like he's just so confused that he just lowers his gun. I guess Bernard is, is seems sort of harmless. But yeah. nobody's harmless. You're in Westworld. Like the freaking... Little kids can, like, break your spine. Looks can be deceiving, David. That's the whole point. They should be smarter than this. All right. Lots of dumb people this episode, but Ingles takes the cake. All right. We, we got to move on. Are, is, there, is there anything we need to talk about? Any theories, Danny, that you want to any, – any notes we should get out there to the rest of the world? Theories? I don't think so. One thing I do want to clarify, I think when we were talking about William before, and that – I think that – pretty sure the Dellos team left him behind and that they oh, drove really? away without him. That was the way I saw that scene. Well, wait. If they left him behind – I want to dig into this just really quick. They left him behind. It's because Sizemore said, hey, Maeve is different than all the rest. And so that's why they took her and no one else. I don't think they even saw him. And if they did, they just assumed he was a host. Or maybe they knew that he was a host. I don't think they even knew he was there. Anyway. Okay, go on. (laughs) Go on. Uh, You were going to pronounce something? uh, I was going to pronounce something, but I want to make sure I get it right. Escort. Les Cortez. Yeah. That. So apparently what that means is it's... um, a, a drawing of a human without skin. Flayed human, yeah. Or yeah, not flayed, flayed necessarily, but like a skinless human. But yeah. yeah, and it's a drawing which obviously there's a lot of meanings there, and that's a huge part of the opening it's title the, the Westworld logo yeah. is a is a skinless human. Exactly. Or In host, the form of a— yeah. yeah. So there's a lot there. Skin is your biggest, heaviest, perhaps most important organ. Key to your nerve system. Uh, also, it's just you're literally on the outside. You're dead. Like those are your dead skin cells. So there's a lot there in terms of life, death, vanity— <laughs> okay. Anything else? Uh, I would just, I, I think the the most interesting parallel, which we don't have to get into right now, but the Ford saying, like Bernard accusing Ford of cheating death. Mm-hmm. And Ford just says, no, I didn't. And that obviously is a parallel between, they said there were two fathers. and Well, Ford sees himself as God. So I don't know how he, you yeah. can't, God can't cheat death. God's always there. All right. We'll be back on Tuesday with our, uh, our traditional midweek episode. It's tinfoil time. I'm sure there'll be a lot coming out of this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Westworld, that is. And hope you guys enjoyed this episode of The Recapables. Kate Nibs, thank you so much for being on. Danny Heifetz, thank you for being you. And everybody listening to this, thank you for listening. We'll see you back here on Tuesday, amigos. Our theme song was made by our friends at songfinch.com. Check out Songfinch to turn your stories, memories, and feelings into a one-of-a-kind song by professional musicians. 
It makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Songfinch.com. 